All right. Hello, everybody. I'm Andrew Lockwood from Orlando, Florida. I'm with Suddeth Global Logistics, and we're here talking about reverse white glove final mile deliveries. Uh, I've got a good friend and colleague with me, Jason Neal from Kenco Group. We worked together in the past. It's been a little while since we've talked about uh, specifically this uh, this topic, but I thought it was going to be a great um, a great conversation to have now that we've had diverging career paths to come back together and talk about just what we've learned over time with uh, reverse white glove final mile. Jason, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us what you do a little bit with Kenco. Sure. I'm Jason Neal. I've um, been with Kenco for about eight years, and I run our white glove trucking fleet, um, servicing everything from high-end ice cream to very expensive medical devices and trying to take care of our customers. So, Jason, this is this is very much a niche uh, in the overall logistics and transportation industry. So, I, I thought maybe it would be prudent of us to break it down for folks because we're talking about reverse, the reverse side of the supply chain, first of all, uh, final miles to the very end, and then the white glove aspect. So, it's specifically high-touch, high-care uh, type uh, type of business. You combine all three of that, all three of those things, and this is what you what you get. Uh, Jason, how did you find yourself getting into this? Is this what you started your logistics career in? Not even close. I started on the transportation management side. Um, I was there for a couple of years before I moved over to our asset trucking division. And the little project came up to potentially start some business doing white glove delivery, and I started on the project side and. It went so well, I ended up taking over the whole fleet, um, started at one site and grew from there. But it's been a, a very interesting growth path. We've learned a lot along the way. Uh, Andrew, you were there for the very beginning of this. You helped price the piece of I, business that, that started us in white glove. I was, and that was, Jason, that was kind of how I broke into it as well, is that it was just this general migration from the from the transportation business into this. Uh, and that's what I wanted to share with others today is just, you know, what we've learned about customers, uh, what we've learned about the the design, the equipment that you need, the drivers, uh, and, you know, specifically, and I think this is pertinent for a lot of companies right now, how do you price for probability? How do you make sure that uh, you, you execute well, but uh, you're also profitable? So let's just dive in. So, you know, breaking down reverse, final mile white glove, uh, sometimes it's helpful to say what it's not. And what it's not is your Amazon return. That's I, I would say that's reverse logistics. But this is a little more than just that USPS uh, or FedEx return, UPS return of an Amazon package. So, Jason, uh, let's kind of dive into this. I mean, I, th- again, we've said this is a, a niche in the industry, a uh, smaller part of the industry. But who who are the customers? Who are the shippers that should be interested in reverse funnel mile white glove? Yeah, we've found this is especially important to our um, appliance customers and and also to anybody who's doing furniture delivery. So those are companies that either are going to be having old products removed, um, maybe swapping out some of their products if something went wrong, or if customers like a product, we're having to come pick it up. So it's a bunch of different options, but it's almost always going to be someone who's delivering to a customer's home who's going to be most interested in this. Gotcha. And when we got, when we both got into this, you know, really three and four years ago now, uh, that was, you know, the whole final mile concept was really gaining a lot of word traction in, in, in general in the industry. Uh, since then, have you seen an increase in companies interested in offerings uh, specific to the reverse final mile wine glove? Um, not sure specifically to the reverse final mile white glove, but definitely to both final mile and white glove, there's been a 
a pretty significant increase into the overall amount of freight out there and to, um, to the people who are trying to do it. Gotcha. So from a design, and, and I always geek out about the design aspects of this, uh, you know, the, the opportunity that we both worked on that really launched us into this space uh, was with a, uh, with a customer that was really, you know, approaching this from a, um, from a customer experience standpoint. And so why don't we dive into that a little bit? It, it's our customers, customers, the end consumer. Um, what kind of situation are your drivers walking into each day? And maybe you find yourself, you know, answering a lot of phone calls uh, with with customers that are you're picking physically picking things up instead of a delivery. It's just the reverse. Um, <laughs> what does a normal day look like for you as an operator? Sure, and, and thankfully, I'm I'm a little bit removed from a lot of the chaos, which is beneficial for me. But our our manager is sitting in it every day. Um, for this particular customer, what we do is um, try and assist when something goes wrong. So typically there's a product defect or something along those lines. And thankfully for the, for the manufacturer, there's very few of those. But we, we come in and help with those situations. And typically it's a frustrated customer because something's gone wrong. And our guy's responsibility and what really makes us unique, uh, we almost have customer service representatives who happen to drive a truck and are able to install and uninstall a product. These guys, their entire focus is taking care of that customer. They're looking at this from a, you know, they're they're the white knight who's out there to, to save the day. So it's a it's a pretty important piece of business for them. Like they take a lot of ownership and a lot of pride in it. So I think that's for us been the most interesting piece is, is watching our what we call them delivery agents, watching them grow and get better and better at this, and also how much they care about those customers. Jason, you mentioned something really interesting there. Um, instead of the term driver, you, you, you kind of interchanged customer service agent or customer service rep. Uh, walk me through a little bit, of, you know, with that. When you're hiring and recruiting for this type of, of uh, uh, network or design for a customer that's looking for, you know, reverse white glove funnel mile logistics, you know, are you, are you looking to start with a CDL driver who's been on the road or, you know, how, how have you gone about this? Definitely, uh, definitely something different than a normal uh, CDL driver. And typically, um, and what we drive is our smaller box trucks. So CDL isn't exactly required. Um, we do prefer that kind of experience, but we're looking for someone who has a background in customer service, whether it's um, even some of the people in retail have been great just because they've had to deal with a frustrated customer day in, day out. But it's somebody who can... Um, absorb the frustration of a customer, hear their story, hear what's going on, and then continue to go about their business with a happy face and, and keep that customer happy. But that's it's been really successful for us to focus on the customer service end. Um, our guys have gotten very good at getting it done quickly, but so much of it comes from that treating the customer well, and then the customers let us get in and out quickly. If you, if you frustrate the customer, they're going to they're gonna make your life harder and going to make those deliveries longer. And speaking of that end consumer, uh, you know, the customer's customer, I think let's, let's kind of zoom into that a little bit because the design of how you execute this uh, really has to be, again, cons- you know, centered around that end consumer experience. So, you know, specific with communication, um, you know, knowing that there are other carriers, other shippers um, and, and folks on the line that, you know, they want to know how to, how to best communicate with the end consumer uh, what tricks of the trade have you found just in your experience operationally to do that, knowing that you want to deliver a very high level of, uh, of, of, of a customer experience? 
So initial contact with a customer, we've, what we've found works best is to communicate with them every way possible. So we'll typically send an email, a text, and a phone call to a customer, just try to figure out what way they're going to respond, um, especially these days where you know, most of your phone calls that are coming in, if it's coming in blind, it's going to be a sales call or somebody asking for money. People don't answer their phones nearly as much. So we send the text to tell them who we are, a phone call, email, and once we find that, um, that communication style, we typically will follow up in whatever way it was we were actually able to reach out to those customers. That's been our uh, probably the biggest piece in the communication. How do we get a hold of our customers and, and keep communicating? And our drivers continue that communication through, um, through delivery. So our manager will call, they'll schedule a delivery, and then those drivers actually follow up. And they'll follow up often the morning of and about half an hour before they get there. So those customers... They aren't getting the, we'll call it the uh, typical, we'll be there between 8 and 5, and you have to stay home all day for us to get there. They're getting a much shorter window, and then we try and dial it in even from that so they can go about their business. Interesting. And that's, you know, I was going to say that um, there are several good points there. I mean, one, I I screen my calls as well. There's a ton of robo calls these days or, you know, uh, folks trying to scam you. But, yeah, so has text been a pretty effective method for, for communicating what time window you'll be there and uh, communication from the customer. Yeah. Text may actually be the, the best communication piece we've got uh, either that or email. Those really do seem to be at least for the initial contact, much more functional than a phone call. Interesting. And I, I know that the personalization of that experience is so, you know, so, so important, especially with kind of what we do here at Suddeth with uh, you know, mo- a lot of household good moves traditionally. And um, so that, that, personalization of the process is so important, but, you know, trying to break through and communicate in the same way that consumers do is so important um, with this. All right. So we're talking about communication and the design and, and the, you know, the drivers, the customer service uh, agents that you need uh, to, to really make this network uh, uh, function from a freight. So let's, let's transition a little bit here. I want to talk about freight because you made some interesting points in a conversation we had the other day. Uh, and, I think I can sum it up like this. Specifically, the freight outbound going to someone's uh, residence is pretty nice and tidy. It's palletized. It may be palletized. It's shrink wrapped. It's in the nice packaging. Um, <laughs> and again, this is something that I, I think it was a lesson learned for me from a design standpoint. But what have you learned in the reverse here? Because it sounds like you've seen a little bit of anything and everything coming uh, the opposite way. Yeah, so that was probably the biggest lesson learned for us, um, at least initially, was you can't necessarily fill a truck. Um, since it, in most of our deliveries, we're doing we're delivering both a, both a product and picking one up. In theory, you the same product fits in the same space. But what we found is, you know, customers in, in trying to fix something or, or working on their product, or sometimes I don't even know how things happen, but you end up with product that comes back with a door off of it or just won't fit in the space where the new product came in. So that's probably the biggest challenge. We had some, some trucks at the very beginning where we had to, to move product around and, and move tools outside of the box and set them on top of things that, that really uh, wasn't intended just to get our product back. So I think our, our managers have done a really good job of trying to figure out what those limits are and then working within the limits so that um, we're not, uh, we're not trying to put 17 feet worth of product in a 16-foot box. But that was definitely a very large lesson learned for us. 
it sounds like there's been some more stories there. Yeah, and you were talking about solution design a little bit. Um, I mean, do you want to talk some about how how you go into trying to to plan for both the, the forward and the reverse logistics on something like White Glove? Well, I mean, I think the freight piece, you know, specifically was was definitely a lesson learned. Where you know, on the uh, on the outbound side, it's it you're always uh, transporting nice and tidy freight for the most part. Uh, and so, you know, from a design standpoint, and Jason, I was going to ask you as well, you know, from your experience, you've actually expanded your footprint, the number of hubs that you're operating from over time. Um, but this is no, you know, trying to know where a customer is going to have an issue is kind of a a little bit of a shot in the dark. Uh, and so this specific uh, opportunity that we both worked on, we, we kind of used the, the rules of probability and we said, okay, well, this product you're selling to the entire American population, we have to kind of go based on the U.S. population. And if it were up to us, uh, based on an optimal network, we would start with a location here, 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 and here. And, and that's where we started from. Uh, and, and since then, you've been able to grow that uh, over time. So, um, yeah, from a design standpoint, I, you know, I think there were a lot of lessons learned uh, specifically. But, it, but this is a good segue into, you know, I want to talk about um, some of the hard lessons learned that we had going through the process and maybe what businesses, uh, carriers that are looking to get into this space should consider. Um, if, if you can learn a lesson from us, say, save yourself the heartache and trouble, uh, more or less. But, you know, thinking back what, you know, when we designed this, one of the important discussions we had is, Hey, what are we not going to do? Uh, go into that a little bit, Jason, because I, I think that's a, a very pertinent topic too, is, uh, you know, designing this with what you are going to do and what you're not going to do in mind. Yeah, for us, a lot of that uh, design work centered around the products we were and were not going to move um, and trying to, to mitigate risk for us. Um, to not go into too much detail about the customer, but, you know, uninstalling and installing a gas appliance, if you've got somebody who's not an expert at it, there's, there's some pretty significant potential risk to that. So, Trying to decide what your risk tolerance is ahead of time, thats I think that's extremely important. Um, making sure that you are working with the customer and really understand their business, really understand what it is they're looking for. Designing solutions around somebody who wants you in and out fast versus someone who would rather you spend 10, 15 minutes talking with the customer, making them feel comfortable, making them feel happy about you being in their home. Uh, those are two very different designs. and. and a lot of times they require different different management, different drivers. So I think that for us is really figure out what you're going to focus on and go from there. But just trying to, to grab onto a customer and fit them to your box isn't always the, the best option. So what you're saying, Jason, in other words, is you've got to design it around the cut what the customer is really desiring, you know, here. And I think in, in this specific opportunity, uh, the, the secret ingredient in the sauce was – our customer wanted to design this uh, this network based on this concept of they wanted a superior customer experience uh, for their product in comparison to everyone else out there. Uh, and so that that definitely relates to all right from your end as a transportation carrier, how do you how do you become profitable in this business? There's different ways to price it uh, for sure. And without getting too far in the weeds, um, what's the best approach in your opinion? So. There's two things that factor into that for us and, and two things we really look at. 
The, the most important is um, the density of the freight. Are you going to have enough freight to, to keep your trucks busy so that you can dedicate a specific truck to it? Or is it going to be the type of business that is going to fill part of a truck part of time? Um, and those, are, those two are really priced very differently. Um, the other piece is really you know, how strong you are in an area. Uh, you know, if, it's some, if it's your bread and butter area, you can go in more aggressively versus if you're, you're going to start with a greenfield site. So um, for the most part, we price um, on a cost base. And I know some, some vendors out there do a great job pricing on a per shipment, per delivery. But with our customers, the ones that we've got right now, doing that with the fluctuations in volume um, and really what they're looking for in a, in a customer service person who's doing deliveries, having a dedicated solution has worked out much better for us been something that, that I think is very successful. And I think you would look at the customers that we have, and we have not had any issues on, on that end of, of taking care of them and their end customers. Interesting. And that's kind of what I found too, is especially on the reverse side of the supply chain, uh, more of a dedicated model is oftentimes a better fit because A, you may not know at the beginning of the year how many claims or uh, products are going to be broken that you actually need the, the labor. You just don't need know you need it yet to funnel back through the reverse side of the uh, supply chain. So, you know, if you've got, um, if you've got the system and network in place, you can charge, you know, accordingly, you know, you make a great point, a more transactional model, uh, you have to have maybe a blend of other business to count on. And as a carrier, that can be really tough. That's, that's very much a a feast or famine model. Um, So just something to, to watch out for. So anyways, uh, last question for you, Uh, surveys, do you do them? after absolutely so that's something we try and do after every delivery um not only does it give us good feedback on if something goes wrong but when things go right i mean it's it's the easiest way to get feedback on things going right for us um, so it's something that we take back to our customer every quarter as part of our our kpis and part of our quarterly business review just showing them you know, here's what what our end customers thought of the deliveries um, so far, we've been able to do that much better than the customer's expectations, which has been very good. But if we're not, if we're not meeting those expectations, it's going to get us that information before it gets to the customer. And that's you know, that's something that, we, that protects us and keeps us uh, ahead of issues and ahead of customer complaints and keeps us in business. Well, especially in this day and age of uh, of everyone's reviewing everything on, you know, whether it's a Google review or it's, uh, I mean, you type in any any uh, furniture or electronics provider, uh, you're going to see the the good, the bad, and the ugly there on the internet. So, yeah, we very interesting. Better, we'd definitely yeah, rather that a negative review show up on our survey than to show up on our customer's website. So, it's a way to let a customer in if something goes wrong. That's right. It's that. It's the fee, it's the the feedback communication that uh, that helps build. Uh, well, really improve your system and and build a better model there. So, well, Jason, it's been great catching up, um, especially you know given uh, you know given your experience and in, in running this and in growing it. Uh, and for me, just trying to get some of that feedback from a design standpoint and share that with others so that we can design better uh, reverse funnel model white glove system. So very much appreciate it. Uh, great beard, by the way, that's, that's new since I've last seen you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a COVID hobby. So, uh, yeah, what else you do when you're stuck at home all day? Then it's been great I, talking to you as well. For sure. It's great to catch up. Uh, appreciate your time and, uh, yeah, let's go, uh, design and build some more reverse funnel mile white glove supply chains.
right. Thanks, Sounds everybody. Great.